0: season's going to end on a
1: double doink. Oh,
2: the goodness. Philadelphia Eagles okay. are Super
1: Bowl okay. champions. Oh. Eagles fans oh. everywhere, this is for you. Let the celebration begin. There's going to be a parade on hey.
2: And your host... Brandon Deeg and Eric Warner.
1: Hello, football faithful, and welcome back to another episode of the Double Doing Podcast. My name is Brendan Deeg. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If you haven't already, please hit that subscribe button. That'd be greatly appreciated. Give us a rating. Give us your review. Whatever you can do, it's greatly appreciated. I am joined by my co-host, Mr. Eric Warner, is with us. However, we have a very special guest today. John Kine, Washington Football Post reporter for ESPN, is with us. John, how are you doing today?
0: I'm doing all right. How are you
1: guys? We're doing well. We're doing well. Thank you so much for coming on. So I got to start here. I think this is kind of the biggest question surrounding Washington this season. Um, they went with Ryan Fitzpatrick. Of course, they signed him to a one-year deal this off season. Um, do you think there is a long-term plan kind of set up at quarterback right now? Because I'm looking at the roster. They've got a ton of guys that they're going to be asking for money, especially on the defensive side of the ball in the next couple of years. Those could be used as trade pieces potentially um, it looks like they kind of just keep kicking the cane down the road. Not uh, There hasn't been an option that they've liked. Um, what's Washington's long-term plan at quarterback, and do you like the route they've gone so far?
0: Well, to the second way, yes. And it ties into the future quarterback this way. A lot of times in the past year, they've kind of rushed. Uh, they've been very aggressive going to get a quarterback, but it's also put them in some ways at a um, disadvantage. The the Griffin trade, for example, very aggressive moving up for him. He had a great rookie year, but that year they, you know, they gave up a lot of picks, but they also, they also, if people remember, had the, the salary cap penalty, which spread over two years, $18 million lost in cap space each year. So it negated their ability to improve after they got Griffin. And when, when things started to go south with him, with the injuries, they really didn't have anything to fall back on. And I bring that up because, you know, they, they weren't aggressive going after quarterback this year. They did try to get Matthew Stafford first and a third round pick offered to Detroit, not enough, but they didn't feel like they were in a position where they could give up that much capital because if they did, then the thought was, well, can you improve around that person because the roster still needs to build, be built around that quarterback, at receiver, You know, a little more help on the, on the offensive line, et cetera. So they were able to build the roster out. So that ties into the long-term plan at quarterback because you're right. Like you look at the roster and Ryan Fitzpatrick is not a long-term answer. Now, he could be a short two-year term answer if they wanted, to be, wanted him to be. Taylor Heineke, there's an intrigue about him, but anybody who thinks he's the long-term answer is going on a leap of faith. And maybe he does something, but you can't, going into this season, think that you've got your long-term guy here. There's a lot to prove by everybody, by the quarterbacks on this roster, that they could be somebody more than just a really good backup, which is still a really good thing for a team to have. So we're going to extrapolate and just look at the quarterback for the future is still not here. But the roster is being built around them so they can be more aggressive going to get that guy next offseason using more draft capital in the future because they've done a better job of building around that position this offseason and last offseason. So it's a long answer, but it's a it's somewhat complicated question just because there's a lot of parts that go into it. So I, I think there's a plan and the plan was to not force it this year. But when you're in a better position to be more aggressive, again, last part on this, looking at Kansas City with Mahomes, the, the um, 49ers this year with Trey Lance, the Rams this year with Jared Goff, or excuse me, with, with Matthew Stafford. Those teams were in a better position to observe, to give up future capital to get that guy, and that's where Washington hopes to be next year.
2: Right. I want to move over to the defensive side of the ball. And a player that I'm really looking forward to watching this year is Jamin Davis, the first round pick from Washington. Um, I thought he might have been picked a little bit high, maybe a little bit of a reach. But then I realized, you know what, Ron Rivera and Jack Del Rio are both former linebackers. And I'm, uh-huh. I'm really excited. I'm really excited to see what they can do with this guy. Uh, how much responsibility do you think Davis is going to get in year one?
0: Good question. And I think, you know, it's funny. I had the same thought as you with the draft because I know going into it, I knew they liked him, but I thought 19 was going to be a little bit high for what, what I was hearing before the draft. Now clearly they liked him enough to take him there, but my sa- I had the same thought. You got two former linebackers making the decision here. So I kind of will trust their opinion over or their faith in, in the whole thing over mine. Um, But as far as the responsibility, they gave him a lot this spring. They were having him work the middle to see if he can handle it and giving him the ability to call signals, et cetera, to see what he can do. I think they're going to give him a lot of responsibility if he continues to show that he can handle it. And the one thing that they liked, and I would agree with this, he didn't look lost out there. He didn't, he wasn't, you didn't see a guy who was confused, out of position, hesitating anything like that so the more he can handle there the more they're going to give him they do have John Bostic they can always put him back in the middle if they want they have Cole Holcomb also on the outside they could put um, Davis on the outside if they wanted to but I think ideally they want him in the middle because to have that athleticism in the middle would be a tremendous boost to that defense and so I think they're going I think it'll be as much as he shows he can handle in the spring I think they were fairly pleased. With what he was able to handle
1: well it's probably very good to hear from for if you're a washington football fan considering jamon davis only i think he was a one-year starter correct right um 2020 was his first year starting so if you're if you're saying that he's not looking lost out there that's definitely um intriguing um for the washington football team i and, want to stay on the oh sorry go on
0: and i said and there's obviously a long way to go with it because we you have to see how does he handle facing another team and and you know and more, when you're facing more situations that are call for quick audibles, et cetera. That's what we don't know. We just mm-hmm. know that in the spring, they liked what he was able to handle.
1: Yeah, and Nathan and um, Eric said it too, you got two former linebackers right. helping you out there. So he's probably in the perfect situation. I wanna stick on the defensive side of the ball here because Defense, in my opinion, is very flaky in the NFL. I've said that term on the podcast before. It's kind of up and down. You know, if you're if you're a top defense um, one year, it's kind of hard to be a top defense next year. However, I'm looking at the Washington football team, and they're bringing back everybody, and they're bringing back young guys who have potential to play better and get better. And, and I think another under-the-radar sign this year was William Jackson to Washington, um, I'm an Eagles fan. I've watched Ronald Darby play in Philly. He was not very good. He was pretty. He was solid last year for them. But I do think William Jackson is an upgrade. Great. How good do you think this defense can be next year?
0: I think they can be really good. But if people want, you know, and he, I'm going to separate things here. I think they're going to be a better defense. It may not show in the stats. They were a top five defense last year statistically. I think it's going to be hard to repeat that because the quarterbacks are playing are a lot better. They're playing, they have Mahomes and Derek Carr and, and Herbert Dak Prescott's healthy again. Um, you know, Tom Brady, they, you know, I'm, I'm going to leave out, uh, they play the bills with Josh Allen. I mean, there's a lot, there are a lot of good quarterbacks are facing Russell Wilson. That's, that's a really good um, schedule. there. a really hard schedule for quarterbacks. So because of that, I think if they can be a top 10 defense and and limit those teams, you know, hold those teams under their averages, I think they will be a lot better. But statistically, it may look like they, they move back a little bit, but I think they'd be a lot better unit. And I think because of Davis, that athleticism, I, well, you're right about William Jackson, I think he's better. I like the rookie third round corner they got, Benjamin St. Juice. Yeah, Sweat and, you know, Chase Young, second year, Montez Sweat, third year. That defensive line gets Matt Ioannidis back, their best interior pass rusher. So there's a lot of reason for optimism and growth on that side. But again, when you're talking about those quarterbacks, it's going to be really, do they hold those teams under their averages? Because if they do, that's an accomplishment. And again, may not be reflected t- statistically, but when you look at them, you'll say they're better.
2: Yeah, personally I have it as the best defensive line in football. I think oh, as yeah. long as that unit stays healthy, they're going to be an elite defense. I think yeah. you could make the argument that Washington's
1: defensive line is probably the best positional unit in the NFL right now. Like I think you can I, I mean
0: you you can you can go there and again like listen, if they finish in the top 5 again this year, that's a tremendous defense. And so I mm-hmm. think you know, you can the chance for improvement is high because the growth of that line and that line last year had a st- struggled at times to a- go from – they were used to a two-gap system to a one-gap system last year, and that was an ongoing struggle for some. And they got better as the year went on. They need to improve against the run. That's one of the question marks for them, and that's even a question mark for Jamin Davis. You know, there were some – you know, I wouldn't say issues they had against the run. He was better in coverage in, in college than he was against the run how is I think with this front and maybe the way they're asking to play might be better for them here, but that's an area where they need to improve on overall and they have to solidify free safety. They had a rotating door because of injuries and stuff. So I think there's some questions there, but man, like I, I'm a big William Jackson fan. I think that was a really good signing. And again, the growth of that front and in into this defense for some of them, and also just in the NFL for guys like chase young, will be why they w- can get a lot better.
2: Yeah, it's so scary to think that Chase Young is pr- probably going to get even better. I don't even know if there is a ceiling on this guy. He's just an athletic freak. But I want to move on to a different topic, and that would be the the name, the Washington football team. Personally, I cannot stand the name. I think it's a joke. I think 75% of the world thinks that they're a soccer team. Um is there any update on where they're going with in that direction and how soon they're going to adopt a team mascot?
0: The, the last time I talked to Jason Wright, the team president, um, they were still working through things, and they're still in that quote-unquote process. And They always knew once he took over in August, they knew it was going to be a long process because it's hard to get. It's not just the name. It's the logo. It's the trademarking it's the designs, it's it's all that. So they want it in their ideal world. It's well, not ideal. What they want to do is announce it all at once. So it's conceivable. It, it may even be right now that they know the name, but they're not going to announce it until they have all the stuff completed because um, they just that they have their reasons for that. And I think they're, you know, financial reasons and, and business decisions. I think that makes sense. So the update is that's where it's at there. There's really not an update. I, what I do know is when I last talked to him, Washington football team was still a possibility. Now, I don't think I would say it was in the lead, but I do think it was a possibility because there are, believe it or not, there are, there is a segment of the fan base that likes it partly because for some, if you, once you, if you go Red Wolves, you go Red Hawks, you, whatever the name is, it feels like, you know, for them, they don't want it to feel like a different franchise. Washington football team, football club would make it, for some, feel like there's still that connection to the past because it's more of a generic name than, than it is a new name, right? Now, I know there are Native American leaders who don't like that because they feel like it allows fans to stay with the old name. Um, so I think there's going to be – it'll be interesting to see where we go. I don't think they go that way, but there are there is a segment that would just say – you know, just go with that. I don't think it's in the lead. As a reporter, as a writer, it's very difficult to write and call them the football team. It just it sounds so generic when you're <laughs> writing. Because, you know, you're saying, well, the. I second reference the Eagles. Then you can lose they. With this one, it's always Washington and it. Yeah. Washington and it. You know, and then sometimes I sneak into they because I'm like, I can't stand writing it. And even though it doesn't grammatically, doesn't match Washington, I'm going to try it because – It just sounds better, you know, so it's awkward. It's awkward. So I hope that gives you a good update. But that's about where it's at.
2: Yeah. And every time I see WFT, just in my head, I see WTF. I don't (laughs)
0: know. Listen, you know, it's funny because I think one time, I mean, I think I didn't even write WTF one time and it kind of fit. (laughs) Because that's just how it goes. And it's funny because sometimes you can play with it. Like one time we put in the first half like first half, WTF, second half WFT, because they were just getting, you know, I think it was Pittsburgh or somewhere, they're just getting beaten bad in the first half. And then the second half they rally. So it's like, okay, you can, this is what it is. But you can kind of play around with that a little bit. But yes, I do think you're not the only one. Who gets confused by that, and I get I'll see somebody tweet out WTF, and I'm thinking, Oh, what happened with the WFTs? And it's like, Oh, no, it's WTF. So,
2: yeah.
1: <laughs> that's funny, that's funny. All right, John, I'm gonna get you out on this question here. My dad is a Washington football fan for the past 30 years, he's been through the glory days, and yes, I chose the Eagles, I am the worst son ever, but um, <laughs> he would kill me if I didn't ask this question. Um, Beth Wilkinson started an investigation into Dan Snyder approximately, I believe, end of February. Um, it's been really quiet on this front. We haven't really had an update. I know we were supposed to get an update on the investigation sometime this offseason. What is the latest on this? And have you heard anything on the progress of the investigation? What do you think kind um, of the overall end game of this is?
0: Yeah, I haven't heard anything lately. Um, what we know is that back in, I think it was March or April, that Roger Goodell said it was nearing an end. Um, and we're in what? Late June, and it still hasn't been announced. So mm-hmm. I don't have a great update on what the holdup is. Um, there's been there have been other court issues with Dan Snyder with other situations that have been resolved, and there was you know he he purchased the remaining shares of his of the of the team from the minority investors, and there was some issues in a court. Um, so that's all been resolved, but. As far as when it's coming out, I don't know because I don't, you know, they, Beth Wilkinson's side's been very quiet about it and this the team doesn't really know. So, you know, as far as like the ultimate outcome, you know, all along I've kind of had the same opinion and based on what I've heard and talked to people because, you know, what, what, I, what opinion I might have is going to, it doesn't matter. It's based on what you hear from other people in the league. And the feeling has been that there wouldn't be enough there. And if, if your dad is asking, if, is there going to be enough for it to force him to sell? Mm-hmm. At this moment, I don't think so. And um, But we don't know what else is in that report. If there's something else that's that inflammatory, then that's what it would take. But based on what we publicly know now, the answer, what I've heard from people in the league, is they don't think it would be, even if they would prefer that he would sell, um, that they don't think there's enough there to do that, to do that and they're not going to force him out because they feel he's a quote bad owner because if that's the if that's the bar then a lot of those other guys are going to be in trouble too
1: 100% and, yeah, yeah. Uh... so
0: so so i think that that's where so that's you know if that's an update that's what it is but if if he's wondering about the sale part of it i don't think so <laughs> i do think you know i've heard from people there who felt like he's been his his attention's been devoted to that and it's kind of allowed more people on the other side to focus on their jobs and not maybe his one or two a.m. phone calls as much as they had to in the past. So that's, you know, that's one um, impact of that.
1: My dad is a Leafs and Washington football fan, so if there was a chance oh. that Dan Snyder could sell the team, um, he would. Uh, it would definitely make his day. But anyways, John, thank you so much for coming on. Before you go, why don't you plug in your podcast and where they can find your work.
0: Well, first, thanks for having me on. I enjoyed it. And you can obviously read me on ESPN.com, follow me on Twitter at John underscore Keim, K-E-I-M. And then I have the John Kime Report podcast, obviously devoted a lot to Washington. We talk about the NFC East a lot too, bring on a lot of guests, and you can find that Apple, Spotify, wherever you find podcasts.
1: Awesome, John. Thanks so much for coming on.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: That is John Keim of ESPN. Again, you can find his work on ESPN.com. Um, let's jump into uh, CoolBet Warner. We've got, a, we've got a new sponsor, of course. CoolBet is the most transparent gaming company in the world. CoolBet also provides the best odds in Canada with world-class customer service. For first-time users, use deposit code DOINK for a 100% welcome bonus up to $200 when signing up with CoolBet. That's code DOINK, D-O-I-N-K, DOINK. And Coolbet will match your first deposit up to two hundred dollars. Give your friends at Coolbet Canada a follow on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Coolbet Canada. That's C O O L B E T C A N A D A. Coolbet, stay cool and bet responsibly. All right, Warren Z, do you have a Washington football take? Do you have a take for this team? Like, have you kind of dove into this? What do you think about this football team going in?
2: Um. I have them as the favorites in the NFC East, personally, and it's just because of that defense. I I know the Cowboys are getting Dak Prescott back, but I still think that their roster is too thin. They They have to avoid injuries completely, Dallas, in order to win the division, and it's football. They're going to have injuries. I just don't think they have the depth. Um, whereas I think Washington does have depth and Fitzpatrick, he's not, I'm not gonna say he's an elite quarterback or anything like that, but I think he's enough that with this defense, they should be able to win the division. If you were to take a guess on where Ryan Fitzpatrick
1: ranked at a 32 quarterbacks last year for EPA per play, where do you think he ranked?
2: Well, so out of 32. I'm, yeah, I'll put him at 18. Oh, you nailed it. Eighteenth out of thirty-two last year. Wow!
1: Um, they, they, Shield Capati brought that up on Birds with Friends last night, so I'll give him a shout out there. But yeah, I think that was interesting. I think Washington knows what they're getting, right? Like that's that's basically mediocre quarterback play. Like it, it as a definition. Eighteenth out of thirty-two, right? That's definition mediocre. Um, that's an upgrade from last year. Right? They were the thirty-second ranked DVOA offense last year. They were dead last. So this is an upgrade, and we've talked about – we just talked about John. Their defense has the potential to be just as good. I don't know if they're going to be better because they were pretty good last year, but they could be a top six, seven DVOA team. So I'm with you. I think there's some juice here.
2: Yeah, and I hate to say it, but I I don't think the Eagles got better enough to scare them. I mm-hmm. think the Giants might have gotten a little bit better. Um, I still think the NFC East is the worst division. Actually, the AFC South might—it's uh, too early to say on that. But I still think the NFC East is a weak division, so I I have them as a playoff team. Yeah, um, I,
1: I'm probably with you. I think I think it's a toss between uh, Cowboys and Washington. I'll have a better take on on the division kind of a little further down the road. I haven't dove too much into it. But before we get off Washington, um, a couple more statistics I found interesting. They brought in Curtis Samuel last or this offseason. Um, he was with Scott Turner and Ron Rivera in 2018. He and he had a rough 2019 um, and 2020 wasn't his best year. They kind of used him differently. But in 2018, he was 25th out of 65 receivers in yards per route run that had at least 65 targets. So he did okay under Scott Turner, and I think it's going to be interesting to see how they use him. Um, and another thing, Terry McLaurin, is going into, he's going to be 26 years old come week one. And he was ranked 22nd out of 65 receivers last year in yards per route run. And think about how bad that offense was, right? So yeah. just adding Ryan Fitzpatrick, I think you can see Terry McLaurin jump in the top 10 in that stat.
2: Yeah, I guess I guess Fitzpatrick will probably be the best quarterback McLaurin's ever really played with. 100%. In terms of downfield production, I like Alex Smith a lot, but he's not throwing the ball over ten yards. At least with Fitzpatrick, you know he he's not scared of moving the ball downfield. That should really help McLaurin's development. Hundred percent. All right. Um, Any
1: non-football things tingle in your brain? Great game by Trey Young last night. Um, yeah, guy's <laughs> yeah, a superstar, he,
2: man. <laughs> He's got that it factor. Yeah, anyway, that that he's a, he's a dog. I. I thought Bucks were going to wipe the floor with them but we got a series 100% and I'm look. I'm freaking loving the playoffs hockey
1: um basketball just the in just the playoffs have just been so good to watch this year like I'm
2: I'm a couch potato every
1: night like uh, again I need three freaking TVs I keep saying this i feel like I'm overwhelmed with the amount of sports on
2: <laughs> I know, enjoy it now cuz once the playoffs end it's going to be a there's that about 60 day stretch where we just wait for football so I've been kind of looking at um, like divisions. I'm
1: kind of starting to dive into next year a lot more. Like I'm looking at what team did this off season, trying to get myself prepared for the uh, for the 2021 season. And um, I keep coming like the team that keeps catching my eye this year is the LA Rams. Um, do you mm-hmm. have like what do you think about what the Rams did this off season?
2: Uh well, obviously the big move was bringing in Stafford. Um, basically they're all in they've pushed every chip that they have in the middle of the table and i think stafford was probably the right guy to do that with um he's unquestionably an upgrade over jared goff slash jared goof Um, (laughs) so i like i like that i think that they picked the right guy to do it i um Kime brought up the 49ers doing the same i don't know if moving all the chips in for trey lance was the right move that's He still has some question marks around him. Matt Stafford, on the other hand, you know what you're getting with him. As long as he stays healthy, he's a massive upgrade at that position. Um, The other, I guess the only real loss for this team was Brandon Staley. So let's see what their defense looks like without him. But as long as you have Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey on the field, I have a feeling you're going to have a pretty damn good defense. So I I really like the uh, Rams this year uh vegas has them as the third best odds to win the super bowl at 12 to 1 and i i think that's appropriate I, I that's I get 100%. yeah great great point there um all right so i have like i have kind of a Rams
1: take i've developed um so i was taking a look at their stats last year the dpoa stats via football outsiders um it's a metric we like to use so they were 10th in offense last year but they were 19th in pass offense so goff provided mediocre quarterback play maybe below that, like he wasn't very good at all. And I think that 19th is better than what he should have been. I think Rashawn McVay provides a lot of juice for, if you're a quarterback provides like gives you the better chance to win, better chance to complete a pass, so on and so forth. Um, I think just dropping Matt Stafford in there that, like you can easily see that, that pass offense go from 19th into the top 10, like just by putting Stafford there, right? Like not even like what's around him, just by switching Stafford and Goff. Another thing, interesting thing, too, is they were fourth in rushing DVOA. Now, their run game, again, is is very schemed up well by Sean McVay. But you have Cam Akers that going into a second year, and I think he can take a big jump, right? Like, I think – are you a Cam Akers guy? Do you like him? I, I, I think I was very big on him towards the end of the year. He was awesome.
2: Yeah, I like him. It, I yeah. I thought he should have been their feature back earlier, to be honest. I Yeah. I think this year he'll get more touches, and that's a good thing. Hundred percent. So you could see, like, let's say they get that from nineteenth into the top ten on pass
1: offense, and then a fourth rushing. You're probably not going fourth. Let's say another top ten. So they could have a potential: a top ten pass offense, top ten pass, uh, pass ten, top ten pass offense, top ten rush offense. All right, and then you brought up Brandon Staley, and I think that's important to remember because I no one's a bigger Brandon Staley guy than Brandon Deke. I love him. I thought he was my favorite coach on the market. We talked about this before on the podcast. He was replaced by Raheem Morris, right? Raheem Morris is the one that took over for Atlanta, um, and, and when uh, they fired, uh, they were they fired Dan Quinn. So you're bringing in a, a a legit defensive guy. Um, you remember how bad Atlanta's defense was last year, right? Like at the beginning, like they were mm-hmm. bad, right? Where do you think they finished in DVOA defense last year as a team?
2: Oh yeah, I remember down the stretch the Falcons' defense did play a lot better, but. They must have started in the bottom five. so They were. They
1: were 25th going into when Dan Quinn was fired.
2: Okay, so I probably rose them to about that 20th spot. They finished 14th in DVOA defense last year. And wow. another interesting stat, DVOA, um, there's
1: a, a metric on Football Outsiders, uh, weighted DVOA. So basically what that means is to cut up the fat. So basically it's the more consistent. It kind of takes your last like 10 games. It's more of what happened lately metric. Yeah, They were 12th. Kind of it yeah, gets
2: rid of garbage time right exactly
1: yeah so it's more of kind of like it cuts off the trimming and the fat of the stat they were 12th in way to last year defense so like i, I don't think you're going to be able to replace brandon staley but i think you replace them with the right guy and you brought it up the, you brought up a great point like you have two of of arguably the top five defensive players in the league on your defensive roster so
2: yeah no i i think they're absolutely a threat um yeah NFC West is the toughest division in football, though, right? It's yeah, it's always gotta be considered. Um, it would not surprise me at all if I think it's all. I actually think it's kind of a lock that two NFC West teams make the wild card. I think there's potential for three NFC West teams to take all three wild card spots. I think that's how good this division is. I think every team in the division got better. Nobody took a step back. Mm -hmm. So NFC West is going to be worth watching all year. Those division games are going to be so important
1: hundred percent. And I agree with you. Uh, yeah, I'm like, I'm looking so far. I'm starting to dive into next year. Um, we will have division. Um, we did it last year. We're going to be doing it again this year, but we have uh division previews for you uh, coming up in about, uh, we'll give it about probably July, right. That'll probably be the best time to do it. Um, we're still kind of, uh, we're still kind of early, but we will definitely be bringing that for you. And I'm excited to kind of dive in through 2021. All right. That's enough football talk. you. what is the top five of the week?
2: Um, Before we get into the top five, today's episode is brought to you by Manscaped, our go-to for men's below-the-waist grooming products. And Manscaped's got a new product. It's time to stop, drop, and order this brand new shaving kit that they just launched. Introducing the Ultra Smooth Package, a specialized groin shaving kit to help you buff, protect, and smooth your most sensitive areas. The Crop Exfoliator infused with ingredients that can soothe, clear and keep the skin on and around your groin feeling refreshed. The Crop Exfoliator can help reduce the risk of ingrown hairs in your delicate places. Then we got the Crop Gel. See where where you're shaving with our unique clear shaving gel just for the groin. With our four essential oils, it's like a spa treatment every time you shave. And the final step, it's time to shave. The Crop Shaver was designed for shaving the groin area with confidence. Three precision blades include extra-wide lubricating strips and a pivoting head for the ultimate groin grooming experience. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code DOINK at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code DOINK. And a little side note for the guys out there, Manscaped's bald deodorant, that is something that you did not know you need until yes. you try it. <laughs> like and especially in the, in the summer, summertime right now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, That ball deodorant is something that once you've tried it, I guarantee you will never go without it in the summer again. Hundred
1: percent. And if you're just skeptical, like you don't want to pull the trigger on one of like uh, one of the one of the lawnmowers, something like that. Try out the boxers first. Like Mansky provides such good products. We're not just saying that because they sponsor us. We love this company, and it's it's mm-hmm. been awesome. We uh, we love uh, being
2: associated with them.
1: All right. Top five of the week warns you what you got.
2: All right. Top five of the week this week is going to be situations for an ice cold beer. When is the your top five situation where you want a beer the most? Um, I'll start us off with number five. And that's going to be at a sporting event for me. Um, okay. Can't wait to go back to a sporting event. Feels like forever, but at a Jays game, at a Leafs game, the only reason it's not higher on the list for me is just because they're so damn expensive. (laughs) But I I cannot wait to watch a Jays game and have an ice cold beer. I'm assuming we're probably going to have similar ones. Uh, I did
1: leave out that one. I'm going number five. I'm going with the Deeg backyard beer. Oh, right. I in the backyard yeah. love out a beer there um my parents no bottles. Me, exactly yeah no bottles up there well cans but, we can, but uh, i feel like uh, the first backyard beer hit spot
2: right on I like that one too that one didn't make my list but that's a good one um number four for me is golf course just on a hot day you're having a bad round that beer sometimes can just turn things around <laughs> a golf course beer was my fourth as well so give me your third nice um <laughs> my third is gonna be a patio beer just okay. Probably, specifically on a Friday after work, you just finish work, hop over to a patio, have a beer. That hits the spot. Patio beer is definitely a good choice. I have that high on my list. I have that at number
1: two. Um, So my third, I'm going with a post-hockey beer. The beer oh, after wow. the hockey. Did
2: you forget that one? I can't believe I forgot no, that
1: one. No, that has got to be up there. It's 100% top three. Nothing smacks yeah. better than a, in a post-beer league hockey beer.
2: Um, yeah, be, especially uh, when you got you got like six forwards, you're just yeah, dead. Exactly. That beer, that beer does taste so good. I can't believe I forgot that one. That is my number three. Give me your number two. My number two is Saturday at seven p.m. Hockey okay. night in Canada. Leafs game are on. Leafs game is coming on at seven. Just oh. hockey night in Canada. Saturday at seven is a uh, that's a off- green light special. Love it. Okay, so my number two is patio beer. Let's go. Our ones. Give me your favorite situational beer. Best situation for a beer: cottage dock long weekend. <laughs> I have the exact same one.
1: Oh, come <laughs> on. Yeah, I put cottage beer as well. Nothing is the best feeling when you know when you get to a cottage. You got your stuff to unpack. You find that little bunky bed. You put your you put your duffel bag on the on the bed, and then you go and crack open that bush case. Exactly. You know, like that is the first. That is hundred percent the best feeling for a beer, and then we both got it.
2: Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. We had the same one. Maybe that's a little, little um, message to uh Phil and Vandy. <laughs> yeah. Here, come huh? on, get us up, boys.
1: Yeah. Let us <laughs> get
0: us up to the cottage. we It's
1: time. We we uh, we haven't been up, but I'm looking forward to this summer. All right, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. now with John kime of ESPN before for the Washington Football Team.
0: Make sure to check out his work. Me and Warren, you will be back next week. We'll talk to you then.